What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Super stoked for you to meet my friend Greg Connolly, rad dude, going after life, 100 miles an hour, running a killer company called Trifecta, impacting lives, and truly embracing fatherhood. Really stoked for you to hear One, the work that he's done on himself so that he can show up as the father he wants to be. And then this statement right here does it all for me is, he said, I feel like a deeper human being because of his role as a father. Enjoy meeting my friend, Greg. Super pumped to be talking fatherhood with my friend, Greg. Greg, what's up, man? How are you today? Good, good. I'm I'm excited to be here. It's a big shift in my life and Happy to dive deeper into it. Yeah, heck yeah. Relatively new dad, and we're just going to jump into it. And what a like what the perfect time to do it, right? Like I just talked to a guy who was 78 on the podcast, which is cool. He has this depth of knowledge, but it's like you're starting off right here, relatively new, new baby. And it's like, okay, I'm setting the path for where I'm headed at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's something I've thought about for years. I'd, I'd say I'm you know, middle to upper age uh, for for being a dad. I turned thirty eight in uh, about three weeks here. Um, so, you know, I've thought about it for a long time, but really excited to to actually get my hands on the little guy and start start being a dad for the first time. Yeah. All right. So, almost thirty eight, and then how old is how old is your baby? Uh, he's four months old, so he's a little chunk already. Uh, he's a professional eater. I'm a professional talker. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he's fantastic, though. Great disposition. And um, I, I joke with people. My wife is a, a physician, but she did a cognitive behavioral therapy with children at the UC Davis Mind Institute prior okay. to going to med school. Uh, going to med school. So he's like the happiest baby ever. And I'm like, okay, let's just, just tell me what I'm screwing up. Let's just keep this, this going in this direction. <laughs> Dude, so you got doctor in the house. There's not much uh, you got to worry about then. Yeah. She's, she's an ER doc too. And our next door neighbor is this like legendary pediatrician who just retired. So he actually, even, even at four months old, he, he actually did get sick somehow. He somehow got mm. uh, salmonella which we were wow. like, he eats nothing but breast milk. How the hell did that happen? Right. Uh, it was it was right after we had brought him to the office for the first time. So, there, you know, there's almost 100 people here, you know, passing him around and all of that type of stuff. Uh, and they were both debating, you know, his health care. I was like, okay, he's going to be fine. <laughs> so you're right here at that four-month mark. So before we get into some questions, let's just talk about that because I – you know, my, my youngest now is eight years old. So it's been a minute since I've had a baby in the house, but I always tell people it's like that first six to 12 weeks is like so gnarly. It's just this whirlwind of, you know, you could read every book that's out there, but it's like, 
I could read books on basketball, but until I go play it, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what's really happening here. So for you, you know, what was that tipping point where it felt like, okay, we're here. Everyone's going to live. It's going to be okay. Uh, I think your, your timing is pretty accurate. And that's what I've heard from other people as well is getting over that, that 12 week mark, you know, three ish months is a few things happen. You start getting good at stuff so I can change a diaper in like two seconds. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You're, you're used to carrying a baby around the, the baby's a little bit more sturdy, I think at that point, which is, is great. Uh, but yeah, for me, that was definitely a transition where I started feeling a lot more comfortable. And I think you get, you get used to waking up in the middle of the night. I'm in a weird situation that, uh, you know, my wife was able to take maternity leave, but I was way into a Series B fundraise. Uh, mm-hmm. We had hired William Blair, you know, one of the the bigger mid-market investment banks to lead the raise. So, like, literally, we got out of the hospital, and the next day, I'm on, like, private equity calls, you know, fireside right. chats, all, all of that type of stuff. And um, I've tried to, you know, slow down now. I'm taking every Wednesday off to get some some paternity leave in with him and, you know, helping out at night and in the mornings and that type of stuff. But it, it took those first 12 weeks to transition. In the beginning, I was waking up in the middle of the night going, do we have to get him? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, so feeling better now though, but, uh, hope, hope that continues. Yeah. How gnarly to have your baby and have this huge thing going on in your world where it's like, it, you know, there's a lot, it's not just you, there's a lot riding on it. A lot of people's lives riding on all the decisions you're making. So having that all happen at once, but kudos to you to not just get caught up in the rat race of like, Hey, it's four months. He's fine. I can, he's not going to remember this, but you're taking off every Wednesday to just chill and be there. So you're getting that time together. So, so that's awesome that you've designed your life to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something I thought about because a lot of people say, oh, they're not going to remember the baby years, you know, this, that and the other thing. But I I wanted that bond. And I mean, you've experienced yeah. it yourself, obviously, uh, just watching him develop and change day to day. It's like when I'm 95 and I'm on my deathbed, am I really going to care if I raised a $50 million round or if I, you know, got to spend time with my son when he was a baby? It it really puts life into perspective from that standpoint. And, um, you know, for me, I I really wanted to carve out the time and, you know, try and engineer my lifestyle as much as possible to be a good father. So how do you, um, how do you, center yourself on that being important, right? Because when you're at home and you're with the baby and you're seeing the little movements, the things, the sli- I mean, the sleeping all day, right? There's not a lot happening at four months old, but you center yourself on this matters. And when you walk out the door, I mean, every email, every message on you know social media, everyone around you on your team is like, this thing is so huge that we're working on. It's exciting. Our brand is exciting, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's all really exciting. How do you stay centered on what matters deeply in your soul? Um, I, I think it's having that kind of longer term, uh, you know, I, I call it the, the Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, end of life perspective, mm. uh, you know, cause he talks about that quite a bit, but it, it, it's really, I, I try and continuously zoom out mm-hmm. and think about, okay, end of life, what's really going to matter. Now I, I think 
what we do at, at uh, my company, Trifecta, is mission critical for the species. I mean, we're literally right. saving right. lives by the tens of thousands at this point with type 2 diabetes and all these other things. Uh, but for me personally, uh, you, you know, your life is really defined by your personal relationships and, mm. um, you know, especially with your parents and, you know, siblings and children. And I, I always try and zoom out and have that perspective that uh, in the end, yes, I'm going to have given it an incredible Elon Musk style try to solve a, a major problem in the world. Uh, but at the same time, uh, for me individually, I want to make sure that I'm engineering my life to, to be able to maximize the time that I, I spend with my son. Because, I, I mean, a lot of things, science is like, hey, he's going to have these this almost like muscle memory, scent memory, you know, et cetera, memory of this time period, you know, that will determine his comfort level with, you know, his primary parents for the rest of his life. And I, I want to be there to, you know, develop that bond and that, that connection. Mm -hmm. And, and when you think about, I could talk about this forever, but when you think about uh, the development in these early stages, like you th think about your baby, like a tiny scientist, like he's learning mm. about momentum if he hits things or what it's like to grab something. And, right. You know, yeah, he may not be winning the spelling bee yet or, you know, going to UCLA, but, uh, you know, right now he's getting these tiny wins that are going to incrementally build up for the rest of his life. And if I can get him started on an accelerated path by reading to him and doing these other things, like, hell yeah. Yeah. There. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, love it. Okay. So, um, just to take a minute since we were to kind of dove into that and then I'll get into more of the fatherhood stuff, share, share what trifecta does. So share a little bit about your business, clearly passionate about it, making huge impact. Talk about that. So we get an understanding of, you know, what it is that you're building. Absolutely. And I, I can actually tie that into fatherhood as well. So, uh, my, my dad, uh, this is a little known fact in the world, but he has, he has 12 patents when he worked at, uh, Hewlett Packard and U.S. Semiconductor on the integrated circuits that now power all of our, you know, computers and, and phones. Wow. And he, he just, he was an electrical engineer. So was my mom. He was, uh, he was really into the technology and not entrepreneurship, but he instilled in me at a very young age to like, Hey, try and go out and try and solve big problems. Mm. Uh, and, and those are the type of entrepreneurs I really like. If, if you look at the people I talk about all the time, it is the Elon Musk's of the world um, where he's, he's trying to make us a two planet species. He's trying to get us on electricity and solar and, you know, solve all of these major problems throughout the world. And that's, that's what I wanted to do with Trifecta. So Trifecta is the the largest organic meal delivery service in the United States. Uh, we're you know well north of a hundred million a year in in revenue at this point. Um, we're sh we'll ship close to twenty million meals uh, throughout the U.S. Uh, we're very a very young company, a little over actually a little over six years old. We passed our six year anniversary uh, uh, literally a couple of days ago. Um, so young company that's just grown very fast. And we have a very singular mission to get America back into shape, like mm. The, mm. the chronic disease crisis, obesity, whatever you want to call it. It's a problem that's new. 
Uh, it really began in the 70s and 80s and escalated through the 90s and, and 2000s to the point where we've now got 74% of adult males and, and 68% of adult females are, are overweight or obese in the United States. And for people like my wife, who's an ER physician, like I mentioned, she mm-hmm. that's what inspired me to launch the business is she sees people at the the final stages of the obesity epidemic where they've got hypertension, heart disease, you know, uh, type two diabetes, uh, they're, they're dying or they're getting body parts amputated or having heart attacks. And that got even further exacerbated by the pandemic. I mean, we're just now getting, you know, escape velocity coming out of, of COVID and, one of the reasons we got our, you know, pardon my French, our ass kicked by the pandemic is because we were so out of shape as a mm. country. You know, if everybody had a, you know, was in great shape and had a six pack, you know, this would have been another common cold. Um, but that that ultimately wasn't the case. So uh, that's really what we're doing at Trifecta. We ship meals directly to people's doors that are fully cooked. Uh, macro and calorie balanced, and they're made with whole foods. Uh, so it, it makes it easy to eat healthy instead of it being incredibly hard right. uh, to eat right. healthy, which is what you and I grew up with. I mean, I, I joked that in my high school, we had uh, Taco Bell, Arby's, and Pizza Hut in the high school. Like they had little shops. Isn't that wild? Set up in our cafeteria, and it's like, you know, we, yeah. we, were, we were just indoctrinated on this. And, you know, we're trying to make healthy eating cool and sexy and fun and what's popular. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we hope that we can be like Tesla and fundamentally change the culture so that uh, America gets back into shape and we can solve the the chronic disease crisis, which is is the number one killer worldwide in 198 countries. Wow. So, so yeah, that's what Trifecta does. We're trying to be big impact and... Yeah, no doubt. I mean, fast growth, exciting. You're passionate about it. So let me ask this question. You know, we're confronted all the time with the issues of the world. There's human trafficking. There's, you know, there's suicide. There's prison. I mean, we could just go on and on with all the issues that are in our world. And we hear it and we feel sad. And then we go eat more Taco Bell. What is it? Uh, what is it about the conviction? Where does the conviction come from? I uh, clearly you said your dad taught you go solve the world's problems, but something inside you when you see somebody on their deathbed because of obesity, and it's like you throw your hands up like this is preventable, right? But then there's something within you that goes, this is preventable, and I'm going to take action on it. So was there a moment, or is there just something burning inside you, or were you just looking for? It doesn't sound like you were just looking for some problem to solve. Sounds like this became an issue for you for a reason. Um, it, 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 it's to a degree, it was me looking for a problem, but it, mm. the problem was tied to my personal experience. You know, Got it, it. I, I continue like I thought. Okay, maybe I'll come up with a new med device or cure for some type of cancer. Or you know, I, I co-founded the company with my sister, and she had just come off of an exit of another company, and. You know, she was like, hey, maybe I'm going to start a nonprofit, uh, you know, for an animal shelter because both of us are huge, uh, you know, animal fans. Um, and we, you know, in conversations I was having with my wife about it, she was like, well, the real problem is is diet. Mm. She's like 70 percent of the people we see through the hospital system today are there because of chronic disease. 70 wow. percent. Yeah, that's wild. Like, yeah. If I was going to tackle a big problem like this is the one that's just smacking us yeah. in the face. 
every single day. And people don't try and tackle it because I, I've ever heard more people than I ever wanted to say this to me. They're like, oh, well, it's personal choice. And, you know, that that is a stance that I just I can't get behind. I'm I am all about uh, capitalism and market forces. And I think it's we need a company like Tesla that can come out and outcompete McDonald's yeah. and Coca-Cola in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that I want McDonald's and Coca-Cola to go away. I just want them to make healthier food. You know, mm-hmm. McDonald's and I, I eat burgers all the time, but they're like bison burgers that are made with like double fiber English muffins. They're delicious. You could not tell the difference between that and in and out but mine are like 10 times healthier. So, uh, you know, that really, it it was partially me looking for a problem, but it was also that I was personally connected to this because I I came from the software world where you make a lot of money, but at the same time, um, you may not necessarily be solving a major problem. And once you have money, you have this kind of what is the meaning of life moment. Once you have Mm -hmm. like supercars and the fat house and, you know, you've done all the trips, you're like, okay, you know, what am I even doing here? You know, at this point, and you search for a bigger meaning and a bigger purpose. And for me, that was to try and help people. Mm, I love it. And it sounds like it was something you're already passionate about, right? I think you your first job was 15 years old at a gym. So fitness has yep. always been a thing for you. So it's like it kind of right up your alley. And yeah, if you go check out trifecta, the website, I mean, it is it is fun, cool, and sexy. It's not like, hey, come eat healthy food with us. And like, I'm all for Whole Foods and and you know the the healthy food stores. But there's definitely a different vibe uh, if you're going to look at Trifecta versus walking into a Whole Whole Foods or you know healthy food store. Um, so yeah, yeah, love what you guys are doing. Love it. Um, all right, well, let's dig into some more fatherhood stuff. When you think about, you know, you just came on this new world of I'm a dad nine months leading up to it, four months into it, what have you found has been the best resources to you? Um, I, I definitely have read a fair amount. I mean, everything from uh, one of my favorite sleeping books was The Happy Sleeper. Mm. Uh, that's where I got that tiny scientist uh, quote from. Nice. <laughs> they, they talk about thinking about your kid from that standpoint. Uh, you know, some of the classics, like what to expect when you're expecting, et cetera. I, I, I think there's a... One of the hard parts about being a parent is I think there's like a plethora of advice out there mm-hmm. and you want to take it all with a, you know, a grain of salt with perspective because you're one of the best pieces of advice I got, uh, for, for, you know, from one of my advisors that I really expect. I'm like, okay, well, you know, what do I, what should I be expecting from the kid? And she was like, you don't really know until you meet your own unique baby. Mm. <laughs> your baby is going to be different than every other baby out there. And you're just going to have to evolve and adapt and all of that. So um, I've tried to just absorb a lot of information, uh, you know, listen to podcasts like this one, read books, um, uh, you know, obviously get a lot of information from my wife because she has that, that cognitive behavioral therapy background. Uh, but, you know, ultimately do everything I can to advance my skill set as as a dad. And yeah. I think a lot of it comes from who you are before you have the kid too. Mm-hmm. I had already read, you know, thousands of books, already had a growth mindset, already, you know, wanted to um, focus on trying to give my kid the best possible future. Uh, and that, that uh, led to me, you know, really trying to absorb as much information as possible so I could be the best dad I could be. 
Man, I love it. It, it really resonates too. I was talking with Jeff Woods, uh, who has, who does the one thing podcast. And he was saying, you know, when you have a goal, like I'm going to be a dad, it's about becoming the man or earning the right to be able to be the dad. Right. So it's like, you did all the work before. I mean, still, there's more work. Both of us know that. But you did so much work before so that you earn the right to show up as the dad. And clearly, from your conversation with me, you're not just like pawning it all off onto your wife for you know whatever reason it might be. It's like you're straight up excited, owning it, and you did the work beforehand. So I think it's so critical for dudes. It's like earn that right to be a killer dad. Like earn the right. That means you got to go to work on yourself. And just for a quick answer from you, because I, I, I heard you say it a couple of times that you've read thousands of books. And so when I go, okay, this guy's got, you know, tons of employees. He's got a fast pace, very busy schedule. You've made it a priority. And I hear dads say they don't have time to read books. <laughs> Why have you made it a priority? How have you cultivated that habit in your life? Um, I, I, I think... Well, there's two things. One of my favorite quotes uh, that I've used a lot, uh, especially recently, is nothing uh, prevents future success like current success. Mm. Uh, I, I think CEOs, dads, whoever it is, uh, they, you know, maybe they've had some success or their kid's a pretty good kid and uh, they feel like they can kind of go on cruise control. They start to believe their own myth. I, I am the type of person that, is constantly striving for improvement. I, I want to take fatherhood to the nth degree, take business to the nth degree, take being a husband to the nth degree. I yeah. mean, that, like, uh, you know, I don't know if you, if you do video for these, but uh, in the Wells Fargo mm -hmm. building that's behind me on the skyline uh, is where Barry Brome is, the, the CEO of Sacramento who runs GSEC. And he was like, best advice I can give you, take care of your wife. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. like, so many fatherhood things for you. It's, it's not even funny. So I completely agree. I think uh, you got to earn it and it's something you got to keep working for with your kid and on yourself, uh, yeah. you know, for, for the rest of your life. So practically, how are you reading so many books? Like, how are you cultivating that habit? Um, I, I carve out time for it. So I'll, I'll read at night or on weekends. Uh, it's something I personally really enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, I do a lot of audiobooks. So we've yeah. got a company, Audible, that's got hundreds of books in it. Uh, when Before I became an entrepreneur, uh, you know, when I was working for, for a company, um, I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area and I'd take BART to and from work every day. And I, I had a folder uh, called Project Mastermind. And I just, I must have dumped hundreds of books into this folder, uh, you know, pr probably a little bit over a thousand that I would just listen to as audiobooks commuting to and from the, the city every day. So it, I would go through a book like every three days or so uh, on audiobook. Wow. I'd listen to them at the wow. gym. Uh, it just allowed me to absorb a massive amount of information really quickly on personal development, uh, and then a bunch of business stuff, sales, marketing, finance, operations, like you, you name it. Yeah, dude. Powerful. I think it just, I just like dudes to hear it. Cause it's like, you could do this too. You are driving to work. You're going to the gym. You're doing something. There is empty space somewhere yep. and you could be doing something while you're doing something. Yep. Um, all right. I love, uh, the idea of the father and the role that they play in their kid's life. So when you think about the role of the father, how would you define that? 
I mean, it's it's a huge role, and that's a super big question. Um, I you know, I I definitely want to be a primary caregiver. Uh, I think that is a big word or a big couple words. Um, I think a lot of people think of you know the mom as the primary caregiver, and you know you're kind of there for support as the dad, which sometimes it feels like that, like your wife gets pregnant, your wife breastfeeds, you, you know, you're right, right. She's got a lot of like physiological things that you just don't have. And you are supporting her through that process. But, you know, now that the the little dudes in the real world, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do everything I can to be a primary parent. There are days mm. my wife's at work and we have a, we have a, you know, full-time nanny, but I'm still there at home. Like she's, She'll, you know, do laundry or clean or, you know, other things so I can be spending time with my son. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I think if you are going to get support, uh, you you know, from from people, whether it's grandparents or nannies or whatever, uh, use that support on stuff that buys you time with the kid. Don't give the kid to the grandparents and then go and do the laundry or send emails or whatever yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I try and engineer my life, uh, you know, from that standpoint. Dude, that's uh, a pro tip right there because a lot of times I think we'll feel guilty. Like, oh, thanks so much for coming here. You do the fun part and I'll go do the laundry. And it's like, no, own this. Your kid's four months old. You're here to help me. You could, this is what I need so I could spend time with my kid. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, above and beyond that to be a, you know, provider, protector, I'm, I'm definitely not, uh, you know, Jay Cutler by any means, but I, I try and stay in good shape so I can, uh, you know, keep the house safe. Uh, you know, we've got a full smart home now, so I've got security cam. I live in Davis, which is like the safest community on earth, but <laughs> it's still, I, I like seeing that raccoon on the fence in night vision. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, I, I you think said- a lot of that comes into it as well. Yeah, something you said in 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 the form for the the podcast was when asked the question about the role, you said it was limitless and the biggest project of life, and to commit your life to the endeavor. And I was just like blown away. The idea is like limitless. There's no there's no just definition that will ever cover the opportunity I have with this kid to yep. to be like I'm the only dude on the planet that this kid's ever going to call dad. I mean. Yep. That's my role. Uh, and so I just loved uh, the biggest project of life. And and I don't know that we pause and go, whoa, th- that's true for each one of us who has found ourselves on the adventure of fatherhood. A- absolutely. It is. I truly believe it is limitless. I mean, when that kid is out of the house at 18, you're still for sure his or her dad. You know, you're still going to provide wisdom and coaching and uh, you know, advice and, you know, support when they have kids, all, all kinds of things. You're still a family unit, even though you may be the, the extended family now as, right. as their parents. So, uh, and eventually grandparents. So yeah, it's, it's something I absolutely think about. I mean, my son, you know, knock on wood is going to long out, outlive me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I want to be here to support him for the rest of my life. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, all right, man. Well, when we're growth minded people, we're constantly looking for ways to grow, right? And and we'll find an area and then we'll work on it. Now, you know, when you get married, all of a sudden you're confronted with this rub now. So there's a lot you you realize you thought you maybe were good at or thought you knew. And it's like, okay, I need to work on this a little bit more. Then when you become a father and, you know, and you're in one stage, and I'm sure in every stage that we find ourselves in fatherhood, it's like, 
we're going to find these rubs with ourselves. So what is something over the last four months you've learned about yourself in stepping into this role as a father? Um, that I was, uh, selfish with certain things. Um, I have a pretty phenomenal life. Like I have traveled to 42 countries. I've got a very nice house, you know, supercars, pool, all all the things I want stuff wise. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I work hard during the day. Absolutely. But I sleep at night (laughs) and it was a weird thing to think about being selfish about. But in the beginning, I was like selfish with my sleep. My wife pointed it out to me, you know, thank God. But, uh, you know, she was like, hey, no matter what, we have to prioritize his immediate needs over Mm. ours. Even if that means you're at like 110 percent, you need to go to 130. Uh, And, you know, that was largely because when when he's you know, most dads that are listening to this will already know this, but for any future dads for the first three months, you have to wake the baby up to feed it. So the baby can be sleeping in every, you know, it's essentially every two hours because the baby eats for pretty much an hour uh, type thing. Uh, You're, you're waking the baby back up. And I would turn to my wife and I'm like, do we, can't he go for like four hours? Like, let us get a little <laughs> sleep in here. Um, and I, I just realized, that, you know, what it means to be truly selfless. Like, put mm. put another person's needs like absolutely above yours in every conceivable way, no matter how important what you're doing is. You know, I was I was raising a, a massive round. We were trying trying to close a fifty five million dollars Series B. Uh, I've got you know almost a hundred people in this office, 650 people in, in the, the kitchen in SoCal, all these people's like lives, their health benefits, their mm-hmm. kids and families all depend on me doing my job. Uh, but you know, I needed to still do my job and at the same time, wake up five times throughout the middle of the night to make sure my son, uh, got the food he needed. And my wife had the support of, uh, you know, another, another, uh, primary caregiver in the house. I wasn't just going to, you know, offload it onto her because she happened to be on maternity leave. So, so yeah, I learned what it was, was to be truly selfless. And, uh, that was a bit of a shocker because <laughs> I thought yeah. I was a pretty selfless dude already. <laughs> <laughs> it was that sleep though. That sleep is precious, man. You, you know, I'll come serve you all day, work my tail off for that 16 hours, but those eight, seven to eight, I, I would like to just be left alone. Uh, so yeah, yeah, when those are taken away, that's hard to show up for the rest of those hours. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, but something you said, you know, I think we do a lot of dads struggle with, okay, m- my, my wife got pregnant, you know, she goes through a gnarly, like rite of passage, like grows a human and then delivers a human, which is on its own wild. Right. And then feed them from their body like when we start digging into this barbaric ritual that happens when you have a kid, the dad, I think sometimes goes, okay, provider protector. What does that mean in America right now? So I'm just going to put my head down and go to work. But I think that the support that you've given your wife, like being there, you know, just being there, not having an answer, not having something to say, but waking up and sitting there when you're both tired and maybe you throw on your show that you watch together, whatever it is, Right just that being there is you fulfilling that purpose of provider and protector because you're providing what she needs right now. You know, and I, I mean, dude, it gets gnarly, right? So you hear a lot of women just have a ton of depression and stuff. And I think sometimes it might be because dude just leaves them alone. And then it's just, they're stuck to sit there for the hour, exhausted, 
while life is literally being sucked out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody's case is, you know, it's case by case. But yeah, I mean, when, when, when you say the word provider, most people think financial. You know, right. they're like, oh, right. I, bring the family money, keep us in a nice house and, you know, pay, pay the mortgage and, you know, car payments or whatever it is. And there's a lot more to provide your wife and, and kid uh, than just that. A big one for me was we, you know, obviously with the raise going on and, uh, you know, all my exhaustion from sleep. You know, and we did have a free moment after the baby got down. I'm like, oh, my God, Netflix, like, let's do this. Thank God, you know, we can cuddle, et cetera. And she was like, well, I don't want to stop doing like date nights and stuff. So <laughs> that was something I, I needed to provide on as well. I needed uh. to like romantic stuff, you know, keep keep uh, engaged with my wife because, you know, I'm sure you know the the nitty gritty of, of having a baby. There's like a gap there that you literally physiologically can't have sex. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she still wanted to, you know, be able to emotionally connect and all of that type of stuff. Mm. And it was something that I needed to step up and provide as well as that, that level of emotional connection. Otherwise she's sitting at home by herself, you know, with the baby that's pretty much round the clock care. I mean, it's uh, right. Right. You know, yeah. Oh man. I think it's so huge. If dudes could really catch on to that when they have a kid, right? Because we can get selfish and be like, it's been six weeks and I want to shoot myself, you know, and we get selfish. And so then your wife is like, oh my gosh, you're being a needy asshole. And this baby needs everything from me. And so for you to go, okay, I want to show up and provide still that, that connection, right? Like let's still be connected. And you see it happen in a lot of marriages where they drift apart because the dad just went into providing and protecting and kind of the ways you said, like I've been providing, right? How many marriages are probably like, I've been going to work for the last 10 years. I've been bringing home the money. It's like, dude, that's one piece, yeah, right? That's like one piece of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude, that's huge. All right, man. So you've been bearing it. Fatherhood field notes, opening up the field notes, sharing the last four months of your life, uh, becoming a father. The mantra behind the podcast is rebel and create. And the idea is it could be applied to something small, like I rebel against being on my phone on Sunday so that we can have a family day too. I'm rebelling against, you know, what the world says a dad looks like a Homer Simpson and I'm going to create this new thing. So for yourself, when you hear that, what's something you're rebelling against and what do you hope to create of that? Create out um, of that. I mean, obviously, there's the big picture thing with with entrepreneurship and our project with Trifecta. But I, I, I think the, that's a huge the, rebellion. Yeah, it's a massive rebellion against the the current food system. But uh, I, I think for me, like an individual one would be like me, me striking out on on Wednesdays to try and be mm-hmm. like on dad on Wednesdays. I, I mean, you talked about EO a little bit before we hopped on this. That's something that, that a lot of my CEO brothers uh inspired me on is they will take uh, a fair amount of time away from work because that, I mean, that's the dangerous part about having a successful company that even some of the people on our team have asked me, they're like, they're like, well, you know, when are we, when did we make it, Greg? When did we win? Because mm. in the beginning you're like, oh, we got to hit this milestone of 1 million in revenue, then 10 million, then a hundred million, then 500 million, then a billion. It's like, when, when is enough enough? And you've got to engineer your lifestyle so that, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if somebody told me that I would be taking Wednesdays off in the middle of a Series B fundraise while running a nine-figure company that's an industry leader, uh, I would have been like, 
pass whatever you're smoking over. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a crazy thing to, to think about, but it, you know, it, I just work even harder on the other days uh, so that I'm able to afford the, you know, that time for my son. And, you know, that's, that's something I think is kind of bucking the trend of, of normal society where the dads are just falling on that sword and they end up, you know, doing more damage to themselves and their wife and their kid by thinking that they have to stick to that societal norm of, you know, at least five days a week. If you're an entrepreneur, you know, oftentimes it's more like seven days a week. Um, and there's that, that's not reality. You know, for me, I, I've done that too. Like in the beginning of the business, I, I counted, I went for like some, a, a little over 1100 days that I, I worked like every day. It was bananas. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's multi years and yeah. I, I'm trying to be able to, peel away a little bit because the business is stable. We're EBITDA positive. We got bunches of customers and money and we're still growing really fast. Like it's okay for me to take a little bit of time away uh, with, with my son. So that's my rebel. And uh, you know, that's, that's creating a, you know, a bond between us that uh, hopefully continues for, for decades to come. Cause I, I want to be uh, very different than what I see as kind of the previous couple of generations of dads were mm. I, I feel like being a real man in my mindset is being able to like openly display your feelings. You know, I'm going to tell my son, I love him. I'm going to, I'm going to kiss the little dude on the head. I'm going to be like, like openly affectionate with him. I I feel like if you understand your own feelings at a deep level, that allows you to, to not feel, uh, you know, emasculate or this or that by, by openly, uh, you know, being affectionate with your kids. And, uh, you know, I, I briefly mentioned before the show, uh, I, I love my dad to death. I got a great father, uh, He, but he's 76 years old now. You know, he's from the 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 silent generation yeah. right before the baby boomers. And, uh, you know, I know he loves me because he coached my soccer teams and wrestling and all that type of stuff. And he was always there to help with my homework and all of that. But, you know, he'd go years without actually saying it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it was just a different type of affection that, that that generation showed and even more so to the generation before them. So I, I think there is uh, there's an, an understanding of our feelings amongst men in our generation that's different from literally hundreds of generations of, of men before us. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I think you can be even more of a man's man. If you understand your, your feelings, it doesn't make you, you know, less of one. Uh, that's, that's the true path to becoming Yoda. Uh, you know, it's it's not just trying to shut your feelings off and operate off of logic because your feelings are going to have an effect on you no matter what. And, you know, that can cause you to, you know, get pissed and yell at your kid or, you know, do whatever it is if, if you're not, you know, fully aware of them. So, so that's my create thing is I'm trying to create that, like, you know, close emotional bond. Uh, and I've, uh, there's a few dads that I'm, I'm really impressed with that work at, you know, the UFC or Endeavor or CrossFit or, you know, various other organizations we work with that, you know, maybe 20 years ahead of me in fatherhood, but they're, they're man's men and they are very open about their feelings with their kids. Mm. They seem to have like a tight bond with their sons that are, are different than what I see in, in a lot of other uh, families. So, 
you know, I'm not saying it's the right way, but that's definitely the way I'm going when it when it comes to rebellion. Dude, I think 100% is the right way. I mean, if we're burying our feelings, we can never have true relationship. And it's like when we pause and go, what's the meaning of life? You know, when we allow ourselves to go down that rabbit hole, the thing at the end of the day that matters is like community, family, people, right? It's like if I could be left on my own and build something great, but if it's not in servitude of someone else, like you said, it's like you've got all the toys, you've got the rad stuff, and then you come to this point where like, what what really matters? Well, what matters is people making an impact and relationship. And frankly, I can't have a great relationship with you if I'm not open about like who I really am. And if I don't do the work to figure out who I really am and be comfortable in my own skin and not have to live by my ego, then we're never going to have a tight relationship. So, you know, the, the conversation we're having right now, I'm 38, you're 37, you know, the desire we have to be fathers and, and husbands. And I think it's critical, you know, for us to make this little notion is like, yes, we talk about fatherhood, but really to really embrace fatherhood. Well, marriage is a key component, which you're, mm-hmm. you're game on on that, which I love to hear because you're setting your son up to know what a marriage is supposed to look like one day. So yeah, coming back to being vulnerable, you know, at what point did you start doing this work? At what point did you, and that's, let's dig into that. What point did you go, this matters to me and I, I need to go to work on it. And what did that work look like? And, and where are you at in that process? Uh, it's, it's a great question. I mean, for me, I really, I, I wanted to understand how to learn faster because I was interested hmm. in becoming an entrepreneur. And that got me really into like studying a growth mindset. I've written mm-hmm. Articles for Entrepreneur Magazine. I've talked and given speeches about it, etc. It's one of the the first books that we get people to read when they they join Trifecta is Growth Mindset by Carol DeWick, mm-hmm. and that led me to really studying other successful people. You know, whether it's uh, Elon Musk or Nelson Mandela, Winston Churchill, Oprah. I mean, you name it, and a lot of them were. Uh, you know, they were very kind of inward focused when it came to personal development. Mm. And that mean, uh, you know, maybe they're spending a lot of time on, you know, meditation or prayer or, you know, whatever it is. They're they're focused on spending a decent amount of time thinking about thinking, which people don't often like put those two together. You right. know, you otherwise thoughts are just coming into your mind the second you wake up and look over at your phone and start, you know. Uh, you know, checking your email and all of that type of stuff. So um, I, I think it is uh, it, it's important to have a practice, you know, whatever, whatever you're into, you know, meditation, prayer, whatever it is. Uh, and that ultimately uh, will lead to a lot of personal development and emotional development. Uh, and the other one that uh, I, I, I'm sure you know him, too, because you were you were part of EO Sacramento. But um a big proponent of counseling here in, in Sacramento is Uriah Faber. Uh, he was a, um, a human development major at UC Davis, and my my wife was a huge you know proponent as well. So we've we've done. I mean, we do it kind of on and off right now because of the baby, but we've done years and years and years of hmm. you know marriage counseling, and it's not because we were at the brink of divorce and we're having all kinds of problems. It's because we viewed it as a way to develop as uh, in, in our relationship, you know, and I think that yeah. gave me a lot of perspective on my, um, you know, emotions and feelings as well um, is, is doing that type of counseling. 
because it, it really is. It's like going to like self-improvement sessions on a regular cadence, you right. know, like the week, because normally you're not you're not going to like sit down with your wife and be like, for the next hour, let's just <laughs> let's bring you some know. shit up that was going on. Yeah, it's just not you're, you after something's happened and things are going good. You tend to avoid what's happened in right. the past. And you're right. like, let's play some pool or go swimming or go out to dinner or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and, and, you know, that is something that, uh, I mean, we've done it for years now. I mean, we've definitely taken years off, but we, you know, we've been together for almost 13 years now. And, uh, that was definitely like a, you know, profound transformative improvement in my emotional intelligence and awareness of my own feelings as well. So I'd say it's a combination of, you know, uh, mindfulness meditation type stuff combined with, uh, uh, you know, counseling and, and, you know, just general kind of growth mindset introspection that, that I think has allowed me to, to grow as an individual so rapidly at a, at a young age. And, um, you know, I still consider myself young, even though I'm creeping on 40 here, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I guess for me that that's, that's where I, I, I feel like I've had like transformative emotional improvements in, in really understanding my feelings. So I have a couple questions about that because I feel like I'm on, you know, on this path and, and, and many of us are right. If we're listening to this podcast, we're probably on a path of, of personal growth and, and digging into who we are. So you go, okay, I want to run successful company. I want to be an entrepreneur. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go study successful people. So then when you dig down into it, you know, a lot of us are looking for what's the hack. So when you come into it and you start to do the studying, at what point do you then realize, okay, there isn't really a hack here. I actually have to do like some, some work on myself that most people don't want to do. What gave you the desire to then do that? Because I, I don't know that the answer is because I knew I wanted a $100 million company. I think that there's something else there, right? Because eventually I think the outcome becomes less important, but I would love to hear the process for you. When and how did the outcome become less important to the work that you were doing on yourself? Um, oh, well, for me, I, th I think the hack is having the growth mindset. Now that's going to lead to you having to read, you know, I'm, I'm about to dig into a uh, conscious leadership. This is a I'm reading that right now, dude. That yeah, book yeah. is amazing. Yeah. So, you, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it, it, that really opens the floodgates of like, okay, I can improve rapidly, but it is mm -hmm. going to take a lot of work. But mm -hmm. that's the fun part. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's where you're growing and evolving and getting continuously better. That's why they call it continuous improvement. You're mm -hmm. not like do it, reading a bunch of books. And then at the very end, you get all the knowledge. You're getting the knowledge as you go along in the process. And uh, that really is the same for, you know, anything in life with the business. It was that we wanted to solve a, a major problem for the human species. You know, we wanted to help millions of people. And that's something that I thought was a worthwhile endeavor in, in my lifetime. Cause you know, exactly like you said, in the beginning, you're like, Oh, I need the money and the toys and the stuff and the vacations. And, you know, once you start to get that stuff, you realize, wow, I don't feel any different. Mm -hmm. The thing for me that made me feel different was helping people. Like when you see someone's life, you've fundamentally changed. You've it, it's just a weird thing that giving and helping people does. I don't know why it feels so good as a human, but you just get a really great feeling from it that you made somebody's life better. And yeah. 
me, I was like, I want that on like steroids. I want to help millions of people. I want to, I, I want to think at like species level, like Elon Musk, where I'm like, how can I help humankind? I mean, he wow. wasn't like, he wasn't like, oh, I want to send rockets to Mars because I love rockets. You know, he was like, I want to send rockets to Mars because if an asteroid hits us on Earth, we got a big problem as a species. Like, let's become a two planet species. Let's terraform Mars and turn that into Earth Two. like imagine our grandkids are like, oh, I'm, you know, heading home from for Thanksgiving and they take a rocket. <laughs> like, that's like so God. wild. Yeah. Wild to think about, but you know, he's thinking at that level. And that's what really inspires me to, you know, to try and take it to, to that point. So, so for me, yeah, it's, it's the feeling of helping other people uh, that, that is really the, the major driver for me. So then my next question to you is when you go to do the work, right. And if you're going to continue to do the work, like you're about to read that book, which will open up something else, how, when you're confronted with, dang, I didn't know I show up that way in that way. And I want to get to work on that. Right. I had a moment like that this week, this epiphany. (laughs) How do you, how do you embrace both? Right. I am a leader today and I'm not saying I have it all figured out, but I got to show up like I know what to do. Yeah. But I also know that over here, there's this stuff I need to work on. So I don't want to be like overly cocky a-hole and be an imposter. So where do you find that balance in being a husband, a father, a business leader to, to work on yourself and not let that like make you feel insecure to show up? Well, I, I, I think you just hit it with the word insecure. I, I, I think if you remove ego from the equation, uh, uh, I, am, I am totally open with my team that I'm like, hey, I'm a servant leader. Like I'm here to empower you guys. Mm. To I don't have all the answers. You know, yep. I have the, the big vision and, you know, I know a lot of stuff. I, I'm going to be a real useful dude for the business uh, mm-hmm, and I'm going to mm-hmm. take on some major projects like raising capital or bringing on celebrities or sports leagues or whatever it is. Like I'm going to help, I'm going to pick up a shovel and help in a big way. But I think if, if you let your ego, you know, slide by the wayside, you go, okay, people are actually going to trust me more if I don't pretend like I have all the answers. I think that's key right there. Yeah. Yep. If you, if you go into it and you're like, Hey, I don't know everything. I, I just want to empower you guys to succeed. Uh, ultimately it's, it, it can end up, um, you know, engendering more trust with your team. Uh, and they're, you know, from an ego standpoint, they're going to be able to see that, you know, a lot of shit. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, uh, you know, raising capital right now and I'm talking about like SPACs and, you know, convertible preferred shares and, you know, investment bankers and updating the model to reflect, you know, these assumptions and this, that, and the other thing, like it's patently clear that I know a tremendous amount about business. I don't need to go around and like pound my chest to the team and bark commands and all of that, you know, proving to everybody that, that I'm the man, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've already set the vision for the team. I've already put together a, a uniform strategy that we were already executing on when most of the people joined the company and me being vulnerable with my team and being like, Hey, I don't know all the answers, or maybe we need to adapt, uh, you know, the plan or, Hey, you gave me some feedback about something I'm doing that's bothering you. I'll, I'll work on that. 
uh, you know, I, I think that is really the key to, to ultimately being a successful leader, husband, father, et cetera, because you're going to get advice. I'm sure you've already gotten it because your kids talk, uh, you know, <laughs> you're, you're going to get feedback from your kid where you're like, wow, you actually may be right about that. And yep. I'm wrong. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. And if you're like, no, I'm the parent and that's why, you know, that's that's in my that's mind. That's where you that, lose. Yeah, that's just the wrong answer. Like you you uh, you got to give them the reasoning behind everything. And if their logic is better than yours, take the feedback. And you know how much more your kid or your team or your spouse is going to trust you if, if you're, you know, no ego and open minded like that. It's it's going to make you a way more enjoyable person to deal with for, for everybody. So, so yeah, that yeah, long winded, yeah. you know, I think extracting ego from the equation is actually the answer. Mm, I think that's really powerful for dads. You know, I think about my relationship with my oldest, she's 15. And there are many times where I'm like, you're the first kid that I've done all of this with. Like, this is the first time we've gone to middle school. That's the first time I've been a dad to a middle schooler. So let's work through this together. And I think, not showing up like I have it all figured out. This is dad's way. Do it this way, which sometimes I'll can find myself falling into that. And then also not just disengaging like this is too hard. I'm just going to go to work. It's like balancing in between the two of those of like, I want you to see that I'm growth minded too. And I think that's where a lot of men, you know, even listening are like, oh, you guys run businesses. That's why it makes sense to read books and stuff. It's like, dude, we've even said like Greg has said, my kid is more important. Like my kid is so important that I'm going to go to work on the man I am for my kid so that I show up, I'm vulnerable. I have a relationship with them by being myself, by showing them that I'm learning, by showing them that I'm growing. Um, and when my ego shows up to just like try to iron fist it to stop that. And that's what sounds really important to you, Greg. You know, you talk about the three generations and how you're showing up in and in our generation. It's having more of an emotional awareness, having an, an emotional IQ. Um, which you've been working on, but you also mentioned, you know, before the show is, is that dynamic of fathers and, and you're talking about it for yourself, but it sounds like you're passionate about it for other dads to be able to show up with vulnerability too, because you see, you know, in our world, there's, a, there's definitely a dad issue. Maybe talk about that for a minute before we, I ask my last question. Yeah, no, we definitely, I would definitely say we have a dad issue uh, worldwide. I, uh, you know, I think we got a lot of issues worldwide. But, for sure, for sure. Um, I, I think it, a lot of it starts in the home. Like if you got a solid family unit, that can solve a whole bunch of problems in society, uh, you know, across the spectrum. Um, but the, yeah, I mean, ultimately for, for me, I try and set a good example. I know we got it. A lot of dads at the company, you know, I got my brothers, my brother's got uh, twin nine-year-olds. Nice. Uh, so him and I try and set good examples for each other. Um, obviously, my my EO brothers, uh, you know, I work with a lot of CEOs, many of which have hundreds of employees themselves. Um, and, you know, it's it, I think what you're doing, you, you know, with this podcast and the material you put out, if you can help if you can help the leaders and fathers be more effective, uh, they will help the next generation as well as everybody they, they interact with. I mean, that's it's one of the most effective things you can do to drive progress. Uh, and and it's something that that, you know, I, I absolutely believe in. I mean, I, I think uh, it's incredibly important and it's something I just try and lead by example on as as best as possible, because I know people are watching. My son's mm -hmm. definitely watching. Right. But, 
you know, other CEOs, you know, people on our team, my family members, you know, other people are watching as well. And I, I want to try and, uh, you know, lead from the front as, as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, man. I, I hate to end. I just love talking about fatherhood so much, but let me ask you my last question. So let's just say 37 years from today, mm-hmm. you're standing out in the street, looking into the home of your son and maybe even another kid at the time, you know, you know, if there's more on the coming, coming on the horizon, what is it that you see when you peer in their home? What's the legacy? And it's not what you left financially, but it's what do you see in the way that he is leading, operating, running his home? What do you see on his face? And you know that it's the day in, day out decisions that Greg made as a man is being played out in this next generation. Uh, I mean, it's that's a great big question. I, I love it. I, I, I think him, um, you know, of course you want your kid to grow up to be like you, <laughs> but I, I think him – uh, really trying to support his family in the way I'm, I'm supporting my family. Um, uh, you know, being a good father, if, if, you know, he's got kids at that point and, you know, ultimately doing his, his absolute best to support his, his spouse, uh, Mm. uh, really, you know, doing a lot of the things I think we've talked about on this, this podcast. I mean, I, I know I don't have everything figured out, but if he's, if he's taking a, you know, quote unquote, servant leader mind sh- mindset mm-hmm. uh, with with his family and, and in his life in general, um, I think that's that's, you know, ultimately what I would be the most proud of, yeah. uh, you know, seeing coming from my son. Uh, I've already got a pretty good feeling that he's going to have a great like disposition. He just seems like a, a happy guy. Uh, but I, I also, you know, want him to be be successful with his family and in in life. And, you know, that doesn't mean being a CEO, you know, he could be anything, uh, you you know, in the world. And, you know, to your comment about books and learning, I I think anybody at any job, uh, you know, we can all improve at our craft. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, an artist or uh, you're a construction worker and you're building skyscrapers, you know, like you, you can improve at your craft, uh, and, and become the best in the world at it. And that's, that's going to pay dividends across the board, you know, but especially financially. So, um, so great question. I hope I, I do make it to, you know, watch him thriving, uh, 37 years from now. And, and yeah, appreciate you, you having me on, uh, this is, I usually do almost exclusively business podcasts, but you know, Bradley brought this one to me and I'm like, this is, this is going to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> man. I appreciate it. Greg, keep doing what you're doing, the work you're doing to love your wife, love your, you love your son and, and, and even serve your employees and the greater cause with, with all that trifecta is doing. Keep at it, man. You're making huge impact that three generations from now, the work you're doing today is going to pay huge dividends. So thank you and keep working on yourself so that you can show up for others. Appreciate you. Yep. Appreciate it. All right, man. Until next time. What a great conversation. I love Greg's approach to life, to marriage, to fatherhood, such solid nuggets in there. And us men, if we could just fall in line to embrace who we are and realize the potential we have to learn and grow and be the fathers that we were designed to be. Love it. All right. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood 
has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. And if you haven't done so already, please write a quick review, rate the podcast. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. Look forward to hanging out with you next time. Thank you.